I spent some of my formative years in Acton. Acton. There I discovered Arthur Macken hiding in the library, a little dishevelled, jacket all ripped. And then there was Churchfield Road. And then there was Churchfield Road. there to say about Acton back then? Not much more than there is now. Halfway between Shepherd's Bush and Ealing, shunned by Chiswick, ignored by the river, there was the stink of Uxbridge Road and the clock tower on the town hall. You can see it from the Paddington train as you whiz past. Private apartments now. Lionel Bart, composer of the musical Oliver, retreated to Churchfield Road when he must have fallen on hard times. There's a joke in here, I'll avoid. I never saw Lionel Bart. We heard he was in a flat on his own. Not a great place for such a figure to find himself. Although, later, a song for an Abbey National advert and the generosity of Cameron Mackintosh ensured his stay there was short and his difficulties soon overcome. You see, when I said he'd fallen on hard times, he shouldn't have left it on the floor. Eric Revillius was born in Churchfield Road. His paintings depict something quintessentially English. Chalk and flint countryside. The shelter of a vale. The famous white horse of Uffington from a railway carriage. He was lost forever when his aircraft disappeared somewhere off the coast of Iceland. Stuart Lee was there for a bit. In one of his shows, he describes Rimpies on Horn Lane. Over the door, it says, Rimpies, fags, foods and non-foods. Lee quips that he imagined going in there to ask for some sort of nuclear device. We went in there for hobnobs. There was Peanut, a poor bloke who wandered around asking for peanuts. Mr Tidy Up, who never left a discarded chip paper unbinned. And Lady Bansy, an old woman who dressed as a Disney princess and lived on the 23rd floor of Rufford Tower. Acton. Scuzzy Scuzzy pubs pubs. and dogshit parks. Acton's scruffy anonymity served as the location of choice for gritty British cop dramas. The Sweeney, Minder, The Bill. It was a time of midnight flits from unpaid rent. From our rooms over acorn glass and glazing to a freezing flat on the third floor in Derwentwater Mansions. Acton. Derwentwater Mansions. The block stood on the corner of Churchfield Road and Horn Lane. There was no central heating, but the view across South London sort of made up for it. You could see from Canary Wharf to the planes taking off from Heathrow. Acton existed in a time warp that prevented it from sucking in any of the money that was all around us. We certainly didn't get any. The first Waitrose was in Acton. There's not one there now, though. A ghost sign haunts the high street. Arthur Macken was born in the Roman settlement of Caerleon in South Wales and moved to London to pursue a career as a writer. He mingled with the Golden Dawn with Alistair Crowley and similar dubious characters. 
Arthur Macken superimposed infant memories on the urban landscape. London, like his childhood home of Kelly, lay over Roman ruins, and these layers of history at certain times would slide apart like tectonic plates and reveal other realms. Reveal other realms. These days, he's thought of as a writer of weird fiction. When I first came across him, he seemed to be more of a flaneur, a man who wandered the suburbs quoting something in Latin from his abandoned public school education. In my favourite book of his, A London Adventure, he does just this, stopping in suburban pubs for a gin. There's no more dignity in hard work than slavery. Look at the sunset, red, on my mountain. But he did work hard. His story, The Great God Pan, preempted Rosemary's Baby and was an explicit influence on Del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. But it's in The Hill of Dreams that he produced serious novel-length literature. It's undoubtedly fictionalized biography. The hero leaves the safety of a small rural community and in some squalid tenement in late Victorian Acton. In a torrid scrub of wasteland fires and self-flagellation, he tries to write, but loses his mind. This was Arthur Mackey's Hill of Dreams. Hill of Dreams. Hill of Dreams. London, like his childhood home of Killian, lay over Roman ruins, and these layers of history, at certain times, would slide apart like like tectonic plates and reveal other realms. city. And yet, despite this grandeur, he wrote, Gray Square opened into Gray Square, Silent Street into Silent Street, hours of scribbling by a waning fire, my room an island in a fog-bound sea.
all the work useless and abandoned. I long to find light. I long to find light. And yet, searching for light, he falls into an even darker place. The hidden world wakes. I'm drawn to desolate, lonely shores, green vineyards by rocks, and desert places. How can it be that the sun does not turn black? He called his work a Robinson Crusoe of the soul. A Robinson Crusoe of the soul. It was a means of survival in a world he could not fully come to terms with. But the island on which he remained stranded was not in an ocean, but in London. And for me, it was always the island of Acton. A Robinson Crusoe of the soul. of the soul. This is a Robinson Crusoe of the soul. died in 1947, well into his 80s, was buried in Amersham. There is a photo of him at the amphitheatre in his childhood home of Killian, possibly there to see, for the first time, the excavations that had taken place in 1926, and which revealed some of the most astonishing Roman remains in the UK. Macken had known all about these places long before. In his imagination, he'd seen them again and again. Stand in the amphitheatre today, and there, at the trees, is the summit of Tumbalum, very possibly Macken's Hell Dreams. Oh, there at sunset, and great furnace doors will open, and you may discover another realm. 